Welcome everyone to the post trade week wrap edition of Bombercast for 2023. I am your regular co-host, The Grizz, and with me is uh, your other regular co-host, Bonsa34, here to wrap up what's been a protracted but ultimately fruitful trade week for the Essendon Bombers. Bonsa, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, and it was you're right, it was protracted, although we, we weren't the only club that... that supposedly drew it out and I, I put the word supposedly because I'm not entirely sure that <laughs> it, I'm not entirely sure the process is as drawn out as the AFL would like you to believe for their TV show that they are now obviously doing the last day deadline day as they've labeled it um, because obviously Geelong supposedly held out for pick 76 you know um, Port Adelaide held out today for 73 we held out for an extra pick on Ambrosio, I don't know if anyone really believes that clubs actually hold out for those late picks. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the worst kept secret in football. Um, the trade week, you know, deadline show. I think they try and replicate whatever's happening in US sports, but what they don't realize is in US sports, you can get traded. And in the Premier League, for example, in European soccer, you can get traded sort of without consent. And so there are deals that just sort of happen right up to last minute. Um, and it is very exciting. But, yeah, the, but Essen was a major player, it seems, in this period. Um, there were four or five really official deals that went down. There was a, a trade for Xavier Dersman, Brunswick, which was in a sense, which was essentially a play for player swap. I mean, Port might claim they got pick 73 and two future force, but that's really nothing considering Essen was unlikely to use those picks. And then obviously brought in uh, McKay, Ben McKay, Jade Gresham, Todd Goldstein, and uh, by free agency and trade out Massimo D'Ambrosio for a couple of nothing picks, to be honest. I just wanted to start, Bonts. Um, it's sort of four players in, two players out. So you look at the the ins and outs. It's in Dersmo, McKay, Gresham, Goldstein, out, Zerk Thatcher, D'Ambrosio, and a whole bunch of fourth rounders and third rounders, which are unlikely to be used. It, it, on the face of it, it looks like a decent off season. I, I just wonder in the context of Brad Scott saying, we're going to be patient, we're going to develop, um, bringing in sort of four more mature players sort of goes against that. Now the argument against uh, my argument is, well, we've bought in three of them for absolutely nothing. So you're really just adding depth and best 22 players without giving away trade capital and draft capital, which is what probably happened at North Melbourne when they were trading first rounders for Jasper Pittard and Jared Pollock. But do you, do you see this as a departure from that idea? And what do you think of the trade week as a whole? I, I don't. And, and the reason is, um, I think you need to look at the bigger picture. So yeah, you're right in saying, okay, we brought in four mature bodies, but for example, Andrew Phillips has gone. So we needed a ruck, mature ruck, Replacement, and I don't think you can get any better mature ruck replacement than Todd Goldstein on the market. Um, Scott Lysette from Port Adelaide's available, but I don't, you know, if you're going to look for that one to two year stopgap, which appears to be what we do now, we we appear to to go for an older ruckman for a couple of years. We did the Jonathan Giles, um, you know, mm. we, we ran. I mean, even going back as far as 2016, we ran Mark Jamar through there for a bit. You know, so so I think you look at that and you go, well, Phillips out, Goldstein in, yeah. It doesn't really change the, the profile of the list at all. Again, you look at Ben McKay in, but we've also lost Zerk Thatcher. So you sort of need to be able to replace, you know, Zerk, Zerk and, 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 and Ben are probably around a similar age. So again, you know, 
it doesn't I don't think it changes the profile list at all because you know one in one out type thing um you then look at Dersma who's only 23 yeah he's played a bit but you could argue again we've lost sort of a early 20s player in D'Ambrosio again I don't think it changes the list profile and to be honest bringing the 23 year old in like Dersma is probably not really pulling the trigger as such it is probably more of a wait and see because we're, we're obviously hoping that he gets to the level that everyone thought he was going to get to when he broke onto the scene and his body hasn't held up. And then you got Gresham and, and yeah, I mean, he's probably the only one you could look at and go, oh, we've brought in an older player, but we're not really, are we going to be contending? But it's, it's a spot on the field I think we're lacking. I don't think we have a player like Gresham, apart from maybe, say, Jake Stringer, and, and Jake's not fit. You know, he, he doesn't, he's, he's not, he hasn't been able to get on the park last year. So, um, and then the other thing I suppose with Gresham is, is he probably takes Will Snelling's spot. So therefore he probably, you know, he's probably an upgrade. So again, you look at it and go, well, we're not really pulling the trigger or trying to fast track. I, I think we are still holding firm because we're going to take our first and two second rounders, I believe now, um, yep. into the draft. So, uh, yeah, I think we've we've sort of stuck with what Scott said. I think we are just more or less developing. We basically just reinforced the list with what we've lost with, with players we've gained um, and and we'll, we'll go to the draft and bring in more youth. Yeah, I think that's a key thing. And, and I raise it because I saw it on the board, a few people saying, oh, well, there we go. We're already going mature. But I think the key is, like you said, we've still got our first and second round picks for the next couple of years. Whereas, like I said, when you know, the comparison being drawn is what Scott did sort of toward the end of North Melbourne, which it should be said, the board ruled against Scott. Scott wanted to go to the draft, but um, they gave away first round picks for guys like, you know, um, Jared Pollock and Jasper Pittard and those sorts of players. Um, we haven't done that. Um, and the demographic remains the same, but we'll get into the individual deals now. Um, we'll start with the trade that went down roughly an hour ago. So we're recording this basically 8.30 on a Wednesday night the, uh, after the trade period has ended. Um, a long and protracted deal, Xavier Dersma, uh, has been traded to Essendon for Brendan Zirk Thatcher, pick 73 and a couple of half-eaten packet of twisties next year. Um, otherwise known as fourth round picks. So Essendon wanted this to be a play for play swap for the majority of the trade week port counted today, asking for a future second rounder back, which seemed a bit rich, um, obviously ended up that way. Um, I think it's a great deal for us because I think bringing in Mackay and with Reed and Cox and Baldwin in the wings, we could afford to lose Brenda Zerk Thatcher, whereas Dersma brings something we desperately need, which is leg speed and running power, which I think towards the end of last year, we showed we're missing against the good teams like Collingwood and GWS. I can see him slotting onto a wing and, and releasing Nick Martin into a more attacking half, like forward half role, maybe stepping into that stringer role. And, you know, if stringer's not fit and being in more attacking positions and, and using his, his foot skills going inside 50 more, what what do you, how do you feel about the Dersver and BZD, uh, Brandon Zerk Thatcher trade? Do you see it as about fair? Are you, are you happy with Dersver as a player? And, you know, how do you feel about Zerk Thatcher leaving? It, it's it's a tough one because you're right in saying that, you know, we do have replacements for Zerk. But, I mean, I'm a big fan of Zerk, so I think he's much maligned across the entire AFL, to be honest. I think Port are going to end up getting a very good player in in, in Brandon. But I think the, the problem we've got with saying blokes like 
Reed and, and, and Mackay is they, they they do have their injury histories. I mean, we still we still don't know what we've got with Reed. Uh, we we all hope that we're going to have a gun centre half back, and he was a high draft pick and all that sort of stuff. But we all th- also thought that with Aaron Francis, and, and and as we all know, that didn't end up being the case. So I think if we hadn't brought in Mackay, I think losing Zerk would have hurt a lot more than than it will. I, I think that Mackay is just going to basically slot into the the Zerk role. Um, there was a lot of talk about. Mackay's foot skills so you know he's not that great by foot but having said that neither Zerk and what Zerk learned to do for us was to play within himself he, he learned to take the kick he could he could hit he, he didn't try anything fancy so as long as we can get Mackay doing the same thing you know I, I think at the end of the day as long as Mackay stays in the park and that's the touchwood scenario isn't it whether or not he stays in the park um then yeah absolutely I think it, that's probably a, a straight swap and, and then Dersmer on top of that is it's just a nice little little bonus. Um, I'm not sure if he pushes Martin forward as such because I think playing Martin in that role we saw this year didn't work that great. I think Martin was much better to stay on the wing. So I, but if if anything, I'd be hoping that Dersmer would probably re- replace Durham on the other wing, maybe. But you know, Martin may be able to adjust his game if he spends more time in the preseason playing that sort of role you described. So he may he may come good, but yeah, I think we are very much a, a, a should be very happy with with that that trade because those you know late picks and uh, look those fourth rounders will probably end up being nearly earlier than the seventy odd that we gave up this year. But who, I mean, who really cares? Fourth rounders don't really mean anything. Yeah, the future fourth rounder you can you can get them for. You can get a fourth rounder pretty easily if you want one. Like, it's not hard to trade those in. But I think with Martin playing more forward and Dersma going to win, I think when Martin went forward in that second half of the year, it was when the midfield was getting soundly beaten and we couldn't transition the ball from half back. So I don't know if we got a proper look at Martin in that sort of sort of attacking so, you know, in in soccer parlance, it's probably called your classic number 10 or your central attacking midfielder, which is like this sort of forward half attacking player, which isn't quite your, your genuine goal scoring option, but sets a lot of the play up. But it'll be interesting to see how Dersma fits into the team because he did show a lot in his first year, um, died away with some injury. Uh, like his forms died away with some injury issues, but hopefully with a good preseason, he'll be able to, to step up. Well, we've already talked about Mackay, so we might just go straight there now. Ben McKay obviously was probably the the biggest free agent option um, available this year, at least by name of all the free agents available. I think um, you know Ben McKay and Jade Gresham probably were the two highest paid free agents of um, the period. Uh, I think the deals ended up being over a hundred, over eight hundred k with with incentives i think is the general vibe from the reporting about it a six-year deal um oh, it's a bit rich for my blood but i also understand that you know the, the size of the offers being thrown at him by hawthorne and sydney meant that we probably had to get there to to, to get him across the line we do have what was it two million dollars in cap space to try you know fill uh, this year, so maybe you front load a lot of that so the back end isn't as expensive. But yeah, it, like you said, it's pretty easy to see him fit into the team, isn't it? He just sort of slots into that Zerk Thatcher role. You know, Laverde all of a sudden goes to having the second best forward into the number one. Ridley and, and Cox probably have the third and fourth best forwards. And 
um, it probably slots everyone into to better positions. But what's your view on Mackay? I know we had a, a conversation about Mackay probably a couple of months ago when the reporting in Fox Footy was he was all but signed. A good deal, eight hundred k for six year. Like, is that was that just a going rate for defenders nowadays? Well, I'm always sceptical as to what the media reports in figures anyway, so I'm not entirely convinced that it is as high as that straight up. But mm. um, even if it is, yeah, the cap is going up, and, and this is this is a conversation I had when when uh, Baldwin was signed for three hundred thousand, and there were people on the board that were outraged, and I said, "Well, three hundred grand is actually about average for an AFL. There's not many AFL footballers these days who get outside that get past their rookie." contract and get less than $300,000. And there was a bit of a meltdown about that and um, some figures were thrown at me and I actually asked for the, the source to those figures and never got them. So uh, that sort of left me smiling. But, you know, so you you look at stuff like that and, and people's attitude towards money just clearly hasn't moved with the times. So so 800 grand is probably, you know, in two years' time the cap goes up, it's, it's probably $600,000, $500,000, $600,000 in... You know, 2016 money, 2018 money. So, if you look at it like that, is it is it that much? I don't think so. No, and, and like the other thing you've got to realise is, um, I imagine a significant portion of that it's 800 per annum. I would be shocked if there isn't some level of significant front loading happening. So, in the back end of that deal, it is probably closer to your six six fifty. Assuming 800 is correct, which, like I said, we we, we can't necessarily assume. Him, he might be 656, which is about league average. I think they expect when the cap goes up in the next couple of years, the median wage is going to be 500,000. So he's not going to be that far above median, to be honest. Um, and there is a level of sticker shock with every sort of big um, free agent contract. And we saw um, Norton get, what was it, eight-year, $9 million and... Um, I think that's which is madness, which is madness. Yeah, and I think, and you know, Rayleigh Galea got a five year, 700k year offer from Hawthorne. Key position players just are getting these ridiculous deals at the moment because it's they don't come available very often. And, um, if if it is 800k a year and we can front load it, I don't think it's that bad a deal. I think he's a clear need, um, because I think. Scott and Dodoro talked about Reed and Mackay together as a combo, um, which would be fascinating to see. That's a very tall backline, but who knows? Um, but everyone, t- everyone t- at the club talks about Zach Reed as if he can get his body right, he's a player. But um, we'll see how that goes. The, the other free agent, major free agent deal that went down was uh, the deal with Jade Gresham. So <laughs> this was a weird one. Bonds because there was this rumor about Essendon um, doing a deal with Gresham and it being mixed up with this trade for Shield and pick 13 and pick 13 going back to Essendon and they weren't going to get first round comp unless they traded the pick back to Essendon. It was, it was a whole thing. Um, the, the shit fight on Big Footy between Essendon and St Kilda supporters were um, a sight to behold. Um, but Ultimately, he signed for a deal which is roughly 700k a year again over three years. So a shorter term deal, pick 19, goes to St Kilda as compensation. I don't mind it. Like like you said, the creative half forward types. We've got Guelphy and and Mendy who is promising, but you know 
not soon. Like he'll probably be best twenty-two next year, but he's not going to set the world on fire. And, and Will Snelling, who's honest but not all that dangerous as a forward, um, there is scope for you know, him to come to the team and provide something. And he's already paid his way to go to Arizona with the rest of the teammate with the rest of um, the players going over. I think there's fifteen going across. So that's at least a sign that um, he's taking this very seriously. And I don't mind pick. I don't mind the pickup to be honest. No. So, so the, the problem is, I think you, with the the whole weirdness over Gresham is, I just I, I don't see any world where it was adva- advantageous to us to get rid of Dylan Shields' contract because we had the cap space, and I don't think there's any world where it's advantageous to St Kilda to give us back pick thirteen for Dylan Shield. Somewhere along the lines, I think the media's just got their wires crossed, and then the reality and the thing was there were so many different stories coming out about that. I just I don't think anyone ever got it right, and and it, it, the whole shit fight thing just did my head in because it, it didn't make sense for either side to do that, and both fans just got fixated on the fact that it wasn't right for their club, and they couldn't understand it because their club wasn't going to benefit. The reality wasn't it just didn't make sense sense at all. So I I thought at best what was probably going to happen with the whole Dylan Shield thing would be that we would upgrade our second round pick to the compo pick for St Kilda. So, but I didn't think it'd be pick 13. I thought it was always going to be pick 21, which is what they ended up getting. Um, and so that was the only way I saw that Dylan Shield deal going down um, in that we'd give up Shield and, and 28 or 29, whatever it is now, and then get 21 back in return, which wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a bad deal, I don't think. But yeah, it, it's it's good to see Gresham has been a bit proactive early with, with what he's doing with the club. And he has been a very good player. I mean, I think there was a st- there was a stat going around, and I'm not sure if you saw it um, earlier in the week that only in the last two home and away seasons, only three players have averaged twenty disposals, a goal, and a score assist. And those those players are Christian Matraka, Dustin Martin, and, and Dylan Moore of Hawthorne, who's a very underrated. Forward, I think. Um, and then you've got Jade Gresham, who is average 20 disposals, you know, just under a goal a game and and, and a score assist. So he's in a very rare uh, group of players that can get their hands on the ball and still hit the scoreboard and can assist their teammates. So I, I think if he can bring that sort of level to us, I think it's definitely a massive win. Yeah, and and the allure to him is obviously the same as Mackay and Goldstein. That, you know, it only costs us cap space that we had to use anyway. And again, I would be surprised if there wasn't a significant level of front-loading to his deal. So it's 700 a year. Again, sticker shock, wow, that's a lot. But we're using cap space next year that we needed to use anyway. And we probably front load it so the back end of that deal is you know probably about league average, which um, I think is, is helpful. Um, I just want yeah, I just want to touch on that cap space that you're mentioning too because I think I think so. I don't think either of these players would have the the TPP increase into their contracts. I, I don't no, think yeah. they'd have that. And the other thing is, so first the compensation for uh, free agents this year was based on what the salary cap was this year, so. It's already sort of been talked about that you know, next year, eight hundred thousand for Mackay wouldn't actually get band one compensation, which which shows just how much the salary cap's going to be increasing anyway. So if you sort of look at it in that perspective, 
we're, we're paying the premium based on 2023 prices, but for 2024, it's actually not considered enough to get a band one compensation or in Jade's um, in Jade's case, a band two compensation. We, he'd only attract band three next year with his contract that he got from us. Yeah, and that's what I mean by sticker shock. You look at the initial sort of numbers and you go, whoa, and then you sort of delve into it a bit more. You're like, oh, it's actually, you know, it, we're we're using cap space that we had to use anyway, and uh, we're we're getting salaries locked in without TPP increases, which look a lot now, but aren't going to be going forward. And so, for free, you're upgrading areas of the ground which need upgrading, and I think it's smart business. Like otherwise, you have to trade for these type of players, and then you are doing what North Melbourne did under Scott, which just um, that's when you get into a hole. And it's what we got, we got into a whole post 17 and 18 trading for Stringer and Smith and Saad and Shield, who, you know, wasn't a bad idea at the time, but we're now missing that glut of players of that age group that we're, we're starting to get back in now with Caldwell and Dersma and trading these guys in. Uh, but um, again, it's just, it's, you know, trading Caldwell for a couple of seconds and Dersma for BZT, you are using capital to fill those holes. So, you know, signing free agents and using your draft picks is the way. And I think this is probably an argument to, and not an argument, but a discussion to have later on, maybe in a different podcast is I don't think you can build from the middle. I don't think you can, I, I think it's impossible to build from the bottom now without four to five years of absolute putrid football. And I don't know how many clubs have the stomach to do it. I think we're going to see a lot more of clubs building from the middle, like Essendon are trying to do, like Sydney have done for the last 15, 20 years since 2005, like we're seeing Geelong do. Teams are going to try and build from the middle. Oh, John's building from the top, but you understand what I mean. Like the, the, the full-on bottom-out rebuild just doesn't work unless you're bottom-out for four to five years at a time. We're looking at North Melbourne now, you know, the Gold Coast went through two of them and they still haven't made the finals. Like they're still just coming to reap the benefits of those, you know, high end draft picks in 2017, 18, 19 now. And, you know, if you can sign free agents and you can keep your draft picks, maybe that's the way to build a premiership list going forward. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, we'll, we'll move to the final free agency signing now, which is Todd Goldstein. Um, we've already touched on this, we don't have to spend too much time. Like I said, flip gone, big injury cloud over Draper's start of the year. Um, whenever you hear big men having groin issues that linger and then require surgery, you start to to get nervous, particularly with Essendon big men. Um, obviously, the thoughts of Joe Danaher and James Stewart um, come to mind. I think this is a great pickup. I was genuinely concerned he was going to go to, Gold, to Collingwood. I, there is a world where he plays 20 games next year and looks like one of the best pickups of the offseason. Uh, I would hope there's not that world where that happens because I, I still think you need to be playing Draper and Brian as the as the two. But um, if that does happen, I suspect it happens because Sam Draper's injury has been more serious than what the club has led on so far. Yes. Well, I think that there's a part of it, but there's also that Scott has shown most of this year that he wants to play two rucks. And so, yes, he would prefer to play Brian and Draper, but if one of them are injured or one of them's out of form, 
then there's going to be a scope, I think, for Goldstein to play. And he may, you know, the optimum world is he plays somewhere around 10 games, chops out Draper or Brian when they need a rest. But uh, I think it's a pretty good pickup. Like, as far as your third Ruckman go, you won't find many in the competition better than Goldstein. And again, you pick him up for free. So I thought it was it was perfectly fine as a pickup. Oh, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with the pickup. I'm just saying that I just don't think, I mean, ideally, I think, Todd plays a lot of VFL football and is there as a mentor for, for Nick and, and Sam. But uh, so when, when we talk about there's reason a world where he plays 20 games, that's probably my, at this stage, that's probably the, the least desirable result for me. I would much rather see Nick and, and Sam play. And, and unfortunately, if he plays 20 games, I think as you've alluded to, it probably means one of them's either injured or, or seriously out of form, which is a little bit concerning. Because Todd's only going to be there for a couple of years. He doesn't have another 10 years in front of him, unfortunately, as, as good as it would be. And and we're certainly hoping that that, set, that Draper's probably got another, you know, six to seven and, and Nick's, Nick's definitely got another 10 years in front of him. So, you know, you'd hope that at some point they're going to step up and, and the mature rucks that we keep churning through the Phillipses and the Goldsteins are, are only there as, as a, a, a break glass in case of emergency rather than as a a better option than the, the two younger blokes we have on our list. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm just uh, groin injuries for Ruckman and, and key forwards and big men scare me. So I, I this might be catastrophizing, but I, I wonder if there's a good chance Draper doesn't start the year in the team um, just because of that groin and trying to ramp up. And even if he recovers from it, trying to ramp up conditioning um, there's a good chance that he's not available for the first part of the year. And, and maybe that's catastrophizing, but lingering groin issues tend to be something you can manage, not something you can get over. Anyway, so there was a, a pick swap as well, which I didn't mention at the start. It says Essendon basically shuffled around a whole bunch of picks and got an upgrade this year from pick 53 to 35, um, which I don't think you know, does anyone fancy, but... Um, It'll be interesting to watch on draft night. The, I suppose the the thing we should note now, just briefly before we maybe get into a bit of a Dodoro discussion, is that uh, there's three guys still out of contract. Jaden uh, Hunter, Patrick Voss, and Will Snelling um, all out of contract and waiting to the outcome of the trade period to know what's going on. I tend to think Voss is in trouble. I think Hunter might get a chance just because he was a mid-season draftee and he showed something before he got injured, but they might be upset about the fact he, he came injured <laughs> to begin with. And I think Snelling might be in trouble with the inclusion of Jade Gresham. Um, what's your thoughts on yeah, a bit of play or keep or, or shared with Hunter, Voss and Snelling? Yeah, look, I, I don't have a particular strong feeling on Hunter one way or the other because I just haven't seen enough of him. So, I mean, mid-season... He'd probably be stiff to be dropped because he did get injured after, you know, played okay. And, and we are pretty desolate for tall forwards. So he, he probably gets a gig for that. I think Voss is probably pretty stiff to not have got a game last year. And if he goes, it's it's probably pretty disappointing because, you know, I, I've, I've ranted on this podcast multiple times. At some point, you've got to give blokes like Voss a go at the AFL level purely to see what they've got. And we didn't do it. Um, and so whether or not he... Could have made it as an AFL player. We'll probably never know if you know if he goes. Um, and yeah, I think Stanley's in trouble with with Gresham because I think Gresham takes this one the best twenty two. And um, when you then look at the fact that you've got blokes like 
you know, because because both Davy twins will be available next year, not just one. So so Jaden will be there as well. Um, you know, Jai Menzies is there, who's also you know a small forward who can sort of probably play that that snelling role. And Guelphie can play that snelling role. All of a sudden, where does where does Will fit into the side? And I, I don't think he does. Um, and unfortunately, I think his height probably plays a small part in that. <laughs> because he is not an overly quick player for a player of his height. I know that he does do a lot of defensive pressure, but he probably, as I said, the Davy Twins themselves are pretty quick. You've got Tex down there as well. I just don't see where Will fits in. So he's probably most likely of the three to be cut. Um, I'd say, yeah, I'd say Voss is probably 50-50 at this stage, depending on what we do with the draft. And then, yeah, it's, uh, I think, yeah, the, the big fella is probably one that most likely will keep. Yeah, I think over over. There's rumours that Tex may have done his navicular, um, which if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised if we invite Will to come and train over the summer, put Tex on the long term injury list, and and bring Will in for the year. But that's a that's a preseason question, I suppose. We've got a few minutes left. We've got six minutes left, so we might just talk about uh, Adrian Dodoro, who's now moving on. Um, Matt Rose's sort of took over. Um, from this point on, I think uh, there'll be a handover from Dodoro to Rosa. I think the AFL.com.au and Fox Footy got the absolute most out of it being his last trade period with the amount of, you know, um, protracted negotiations and hard to deal with tags. You've had a particularly strong view on this. I've had a view which echoes yours, perhaps not as, as a strong being that it was time for him to move on. It looks like it's finally happened uh, Bont, uh, how have you seen sort of uh, Dodoro's last sort of off-season and sort of what are your thoughts about him moving on? Well, it depends because, I mean, are we saying now that, you know, is, is Adrian back in charge? Because I've been hearing for a while that Adrian's not in charge and yet every all media reports seem to indicate that Adrian is still very much in charge. So, you know, it's 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 a tough one because... It seems to be a case of if Adrian, if, if if the trade period or the draft goes well, then Adrian was in charge. And if not, then there's a whole list of reasons as to why he wasn't. So I think overall our, our trade period is pretty good. Um, we didn't lose anything. I don't think we lost anything. We, you know, we, we, we kept a relatively full um, hand of draft picks this year. We go into next year's draft without a third round pick, but whoopty freaking do. Um, <laughs> So yeah, look, I think as a, overall as a trade period, it's pretty solid. Yeah, whether it's his last one, I don't. We'll, we'll see. Uh, he he seems to be still very very much committed to transitioning uh, Rosa, and and Adrian doesn't strike me as a man that transitions by leaving. So we'll <laughs> uh, we'll wait to see if he's still there front and center next year. He may very well still be there next year. Maybe he won't be front and centre, but I'm sure if he was there, we'd definitely we'd still see part of him anyway. Yeah, I don't know what the media's going to do without him during trade week. I mean, Dodoro, hard to deal with, is the go-to, isn't it? There's always one deal a year. It's like, ah, classic Dodoro. Um, if he's not there front and centre, what are they going to do? They might. Um, I think they've already started to transition that tag over to, to Freeman or Port Adelaide and Geelong even. I think they need a villain, <laughs> I suppose, and... I guess they, they do. One point I did raise, though, because um, people keep saying that point. My point 
to that is though, Adrian doesn't need to be difficult. Just yeah, you know, it's not like he's being difficult because the media says he's difficult. He's been difficult for his own reasons. So I, I get that Adrian's difficult to deal with, and Dodoro is difficult to deal with. He's become a bit of a meme. But there's 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 no smoke without fire. So you know, at the end of the day, like I mean, the the Ambrosio stuff just is just stuff that I don't understand how that took so long. Like, <laughs> and and then the and then there was reports that we were then clarifying day for oh, but we took him mid season, so that actually doesn't make him a real rookie. So therefore, he shouldn't be able to like that stuff's a little bit cute. And and if we were just up front and t- taken the sixty three and or said to Hawthorne, yeah, okay, we'll take sixty three, but we want a future fourth as well. They probably would have just done it and we would have been done with it. Instead, we seem to get to the last day and here we are looking a bit silly, but, you know, it all came good in the end, I suppose. And as I said earlier, who knows whether or not it actually did get to the last day or whether or not it's a little bit of an AFL-manufactured drama as as they're trying to raise. Yeah, I I have this running theory that I think Dodoro can be hard to deal with. I also reckon that clubs, opposition clubs, know that he has that tag so they can play hardball and know that they're not going to cop the heat for it. <laughs> like they can be the one protracting out negotiation thing. Dodoro will cop the heat in the media because it's Dodoro, but I suppose we'll never know. I don't think that's the case all the time, but in some times, like I just remember the Paddy Ryder trade where they started by offering a future second, uh, uh, offering the second round pick for Paddy Ryder. And everyone's like, oh, Dodoro, classic card to deal with, turned it down. It's like, it's Paddy fucking Ryder. Like, of course he turned it down. Anyway, um, that will probably do us for today. The draft is in a month, which is amazing. I can't believe that we're almost at that part of the year already. But uh, we'll we'll work behind the scenes to see if we can get one of the local draft experts, maybe P and Bangers, back on to discuss uh, Essence draft hand and players that might suit us to those picks. Bont, it's been great to, to chat to you again. Um, it's good to see Essence and have one trade week again for this season. Thanks for jumping on. That was a pleasure as always. All right. Well, that will wrap us up for this week. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your Essendon supporting mates. Enjoy uh, your week to come, and we'll chat soon. Thanks.